welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Haskin, and you know what? This is the last episode before Christmas 2023. Uh, as I'm recording this, I still haven't even put my tree up yet. I've just been so crazy busy. I started writing uh, my own album, which I was hoping to have done by now. Um, I only have a couple songs done. This is really an interesting one. Um, I challenged my wonderful graphic artist, Kelly, from Outside the Box Photo to come up with an album cover and I would write the music to it. Because normally I give her the concept of the album where if I'm doing a remake album, I send her like all the original versions of the show, of the show, <laughs> the songs. And, uh, and say, you know, these are all going to be revamped, but these are basically the songs. And, you know, we talk about a concept or maybe I already have something in mind and then she gets to work on it and makes it a million times better than I thought, uh, whatever, you know, idea I had come up with. So I thought, boy, this is this would be fun to just do something in complete reverse. So she came up with this. I'm not going to spoil it now. I'll reveal it soon enough. But uh, an, an amazing cover. And I decided, you know, this would be a perfect cover to revisit Mental Sauna and do a new Mental Sauna album something a little bit different from what I've done before, because I have very strict rules on how I do these. After having done the first couple albums, then I kind of was like, okay, here's what I want. Here's what this needs to be. So now I'm learning how to work that into my new concept. So this is going to be Mental Sauna 6. Uh, I don't know exactly what the title is going to be, but it's basically going to be chill out music. I've not done a whole lot of it, but my buddy Tommy Schaefer, amazing guy, he's been on the show before, he is currently, I don't even know what ocean he's in right now, but he's sailing around the world. He delivers boats. Like he goes to a place and then takes a boat and delivers it to some other part of the world. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, I love that he does that because he's living his dream. And that's the most important thing. He's out on the water where he wants to be and deserves to be. And he seems very good at it. So, you know, that's that's awesome. And people obviously have a need for that service. Um I always just figured that you just bought a boat wherever you were and wouldn't buy a boat from another country without seeing it, without, you know, taking it out for a test sail. I don't know. It's a, it's a different world to me. But in any case, so he had sent me this piece of chill out music that he wrote and I really liked it. And I thought, I wonder if I could do something like that. And so I wrote a piece and um, I sent it over to him. I said, you know, does this fit? the the genre does it you know would it qualify he goes absolutely you nailed it and i'm like perfect so i thought you know when i saw the cover i thought about this piece i thought okay this is perfect this is the album that i'm going to make so i don't know when it'll be ready but in any case that is that i've also started uh we our our band era patches has started working on our next album this is my second with the band this is the band's 10th album and uh, Jerry wrote the first song. He sent it over to me. Um, I did the drums for it. He wants a couple of modifications. So I'll do those this weekend. But yeah, so between my album and that, and then the work I'm doing and the podcast uh, between this show, and then I do the uh, Backtracks Aerosmith show with Corey Morissette. I've guessed it on a number of shows this season, uh, this late, later part of the year. And also, uh, on, on top of that, I was the moderator for the Ultimate Catalog Clash Season 1 finale, which uh, I thought I was just going to be doing the the you know tiebreaker and reveal who the winner was of the end of the season contest, who then goes on to pick the band that they will cover in Season 2. For Season 1, they did Phil Collins' era Genesis. It was an amazing ride. Um, 
So I, I was like, okay, well, I'll just come on and do my guest spot, or maybe I'll be on the whole show. I don't know. And the next thing I know, I'm moderating the whole thing. I'm like, this is cool, though. I, I had a great time. Uh, you know, Corey and Kevin are great guys. I love that show. If you haven't had a chance, check it out. Wherever you're listening to this, you should be able to listen to that. The Ultimate Catalog Clash. Very, very cool show. Um, so that's, you know, between those things alone, I've been really, really busy. Plus, you know, the the stuff that actually earns me money that I do, uh, which almost feels like it's on the side, but it's really my major function. And all these other things are on the side because they don't pay the bills. Uh, so yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy. And then they've been doing construction at my apartment for what seems to be eternity. Um, they, they've resurfaced or they're resurfacing the entire complex, right? So they're taking out all the grass because they think big rocky chunks will be much better than grass. And I guess, you know, you don't have to mow it. You don't have to water it. Um, it's probably easier to maintain, but this is a pretty decent sized complex. And this is a lot. And of course they had to do designs by color because that's going to matter in six months when it's all messed up. Um, just, uh, just, and it looks God awful. I mean, seriously, it looks hideous. But the problem is because of where my apartment is located in the complex, I'm right near the area where there's all the uh, open space parking for guests. So they've decided to take that entire area and dump all of the rocks for the whole complex in this area. So even though they've been done with my, like the area around my building for a week or so, I still get that, those trucks and the diesel fumes and the backup noises coming to get the rocks and move them wherever they need to be. It's been absolutely insane. So that's been fun. So in the middle of all that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put the tree up. Oh shit, I need to do this drum track first because once I do the drum track, then I can move the drums out into the other room and I'll have more room to put the tree up. It'll be easier to get the drums out without the tree, blah, blah. Playing slide puzzle as I have, but I still haven't had the time to do the drum track. It's a particularly difficult one. I'm probably going to take a few takes. So um, I just haven't had time to do it yet. So therefore, the tree is not up. It's already the 12th of December. I typically do it on Thanksgiving. Um, I was really busy that day. Just haven't had any time. So I don't know if I'm if I'm going to put it up or not. By this point, you know, we're already like uh, two weeks away from Christmas. So I don't know. Time time will tell. But in any case, the year is rushing by. This is the last show before Christmas. I will be, as I do every year, re-airing my uh, walkthrough of my Mental Sauna 3 Christmas Inflections album, which is a new age approach to classic Christmas songs. If you have not heard that already, uh, you can stream it or you can get it for five bucks on my Bandcamp page through the end of the year. Um you know, because sometimes people are like, oh, I forgot to do that. And then the sale's over and it's a kind of a bummer. So uh, I'll change it at the end of the year or as soon as I remember to it after the end of the year. Um, five bucks, all the songs. It's very, um, very relaxing and tranquil. This honestly is is one of my favorite projects that I've ever done. It It just every time that I go to revisit it, whether I just want to hear a song or just set a mood or whatever, there's just something about the sound that I got on this album, that it feels so much like the holidays to me. And um, yeah, so this is one of the few albums of my own that I actually listen to regularly, be just because I love the atmosphere of it, even throughout the year. And I've made videos. I just went to the Bellagio yesterday 
And um, I don't know if they'll be out by the time this episode comes out, hopefully. But definitely before Christmas, I'll have uh, another couple, one or two at least, uh, Christmas videos. I'm doing one for Mental Sauna, three Christmas inflections. I haven't figured out what song yet. And I might do one of the Haunted Holidays ones too, um, because those are also Christmas, all Christmas stories, Christmas related. So uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. But in any case, lots of fun. Uh, good stuff coming. So so I've been pretty busy, but I um, am really excited to do this episode. I had a couple ideas of what I wanted to do for my Christmas episode this year. I don't count the one that I actually air on Christmas because that's one that I recorded, um, what, five years ago? I think five years ago. And then just every year on Christmas Day, I bring it back. Um, you know, just not everybody has something to do on Christmas. And if you don't, or even if you do, you could play it at your Christmas gathering, or you could get the album and play it at your Christmas gathering because it's kind of perfect for background music. Hint, hint, hint. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that will be the Christmas annual Christmas episode on Christmas Day. But this is the last episode before Christmas. And I always like to do something Christmas related, whether I'm reviewing like last year, I think I did a review of some Bing Crosby music, which is uh, very much dear to my heart. And this year I have opted to go with the South Park Christmas album, Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classics. Now, you may or may not have heard the album. You may have or may not have seen the episode that this relates to. In fact, I was so excited when I saw the episode. I'd really hoped that they were going to come out with an album. And sure enough, they did. So went right down to, well, I don't even know where I got it. Uh, I don't know where I was buying music at the time. Um, I don't, I honestly don't remember. Uh, but anyway, Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classic. There is one big difference between the music that was played on the show, which has really cool videos to go with it. Um, it's hosted by Mr. Hankey, which I'll get to in a minute. But there was a uh, karaoke duet sort of uh, thing that uh, uh, Jesus and Santa sing. And um, Jesus, South Park Jesus is one of my favorite characters. My absolute favorite character, though, is South Park Moses. He is absolutely the best. He's like the the uh, the PC from Tron. And uh, I just love his character. He's fantastic. But anyway, um, so they're doing this, this duet, like saying, hey, here's how I influence Christmas. And here's how, you know, a song about me. And Santa's kind of running out of songs. And Jesus is kind of dominating the thing. And, and Santa gets depressed. And Jesus, you know, he has to come in and fix all that. But anyway, there uh that that's the only song that I can remember being in the show that was not on the album. So I was a little bit curious about why that was. And according to uh what I found on Wikipedia, which as we know is the be all end all of factual information. Wink. <laughs> Looks to camera. Uh but it's it's pretty accurate. You know, there's a lot of people that will ha be happy to jump all over something and say it's wrong. And uh, there is a note on here that says the duet between Santa and Jesus that appears in the episode was meant for the album, but music rights for Duran Duran's Rio could not be cleared for the album in time. And that makes sense because that uh, is not a Christmas song, but in the, the midst of typical South Park uh, creativity, uh, they go into Rio in one of the songs. So um, unfortunately, they weren't able to clear it for the CD. And let me just say, those are separate music licenses. There is the license to use someone's intellectual property. And then there's the sync license, which is uh, specifically for using a piece of music to be synced to a video. 
And even if it's just playing in the background and it's not synced up to like a person performing it or uh, anything like that, it's still synced because it's synced to a video. So that's a separate license that does not give you the license to release it on an album. That's something that you have to negotiate separately. So it's a lot of in-depth legal stuff. And as I learned with my Lionel Richie escapade, uh, that is two very, very different uh, processes. Even if you're doing them with the same people, they have to be negotiated individually. One might affect the other. In other words, if you get the album release or if you get the sync, it might be easier to get the album release. Or if you get the album release, it might be easier to get the sync license. Um, They may charge a lower fee because they're already doing something on the other one. Who knows? But in any case, you do have to negotiate those separately. Uh, I mean, they may be able to do package deals or something like that. But in, in general, they're they're two separate agreements. So uh, that being said, it's a bummer because it was really fun. But I think there's a really cool visual component that goes with that one, too, that makes it um, kind of special, I think, to see. You know, like you want to feel that you're in the karaoke bar with these guys and and all of that. So, um, yeah, get it. if you get a chance, watch the episode. It's a lot of fun. Um, but we're going to get into the music. And first, let me introduce our lead character, Mr. Hankey. I remember, uh, the first Mr. Hankey episode and I thought, wow, this is it absolutely an insane concept and leave it to Trey Parker and Matt Stone, creators of South Park to come up with something like this. I am in general, not a fan of dick and fart jokes. To me, that is the, the lowest form of humor. Uh, other than, I don't know, maybe, uh, well, no, that's pretty much it. So for me, if that's where you're going with most of your jokes or even some of your jokes, you're probably just saying, I, I will find people that will laugh at what I'm saying because there's always somebody that's going to find that funny. So it, it takes something really clever, or really good for me to enjoy a dick or fart joke, right? Mr. Hankey is just a, an insane character. I mean, he's literally a piece of shit that came out of Kyle's to- uh, toilet and uh, apparently had, had been around because Chef was very familiar with him. And, and I would have loved a backstory episode on how Chef and Mr. Hankey knew each other, maybe some kind of adventure they went on together. They actually could have had a really cool television show. Um, of course, we'll never get that now because Isaac Hayes is no longer with us and he was the voice of Chef. I don't know who does the voice of Mr. Hankey. I'm going to guess it's probably Trey, uh, but I don't know. Um, in any case, uh, we'll never get the episode. But it's it's a character that normally I just would have thought was stupid and walked away. But the way that that uh, South Park presents it, he's very lovable, uh, really caring, down-to-earth, fun guy. You know, and um, it's hard not to like him. And you just you kind of forget what he represents after a while. And he just becomes a character on the show, just like anybody else, you know. Um, So there's that. But he's basically the host of this fictitious uh, Christmas song end of the year show where he's sitting in his little chair and he's, you know, talking about memories and songs and all that. And then they'll play the video. So um some of these do have definitely a very cool video component to them. Some, I think, were not in the episode. I want to say, because there's no way they could have fit all these songs in there, but I'd have to go back and, and like, I don't remember We Three Kings being in the actual episode. I remember it from the album. Uh, maybe it was, but I don't I don't think so. Um, what the Hell Child Is This? I don't think was in the episode. So obviously, you know, they only have so much time in the episode, but you get much more time on a CD, because I think they were already up to 84 minutes by then. So lots more ability to um, present things. So um, yeah, the, the show is actually going to be more limiting. Uh, 
So the first song that we have is Mr. Hankey's Mr. Hankey, the Christmas Pooh, which opened the show uh, almost as like his his theme song of how they were going to bring him on and introduce him as the host of this fictitious show. So here's a little bit of Mr. Hankey, the Christmas Pooh. We've all heard of Rudolph and his shiny nose. And we all know Frosty, who's made out of snow. But all of those stories seem kind of gay. Cause we all know who brightens up our holiday. Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh, small and brown, he comes from you. Sit on the toilet, here he comes, squeezing tween your festive buns. A present from down below, spreading joy with a howdy ho. He's seen the love inside of you, cause he's a piece of poo. Sometimes he's nutty, sometimes he's corny He can be brown or greenish brown But if you eat fiber on Christmas Eve He might come to your town Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo He loves me, I love you Therefore vicariously he loves you I can make him Mr. Hanky too The thing I loved about the video for this is they really went old school back to what I guess it would be the 50s or so, you know, with the big rosy cheeks and, and everything that the characters had uh, really, really well done. It, it fit the the scene very, very well. And the, and the feel of the music is a little bit classic, too. Um, you know, the sound quality obviously is very modern and studio crystal pristine, but uh, it has the feel of, of the old, uh, you know, Christmas movies and things. So a really cool song kind of gives you an introduction to who Mr. Hankey is, because if you hadn't seen the previous episode with him, he really would not make any sense. So it's a nice introduction. And, uh, you know, it introduced the cast because uh, you got Kyle and Cartman and everything, too. So pretty cool song. Um, I, I really like it. To, again, despite the ridiculousness of what Mr. Hankey is, it's a pretty cool song. I like the tension there with the strings, you know, the buildup in there. Musically, it's really cool, actually, even just to listen to it uh, musically. And then the, the vocals have just that little, little touch of vintage sound to them. I'm not sure exactly how they got that. Probably some kind of EQ or filtering. But uh, in any case, sounds really, really good. Uh, our next song, and I have to remember to mark this episode as explicit just for this song alone. Our lovely Mr. Garrison, the who started as, I think, the third grade teacher and is just perpetually the teacher, very much like uh, Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World. He just seems to follow them, you know, year after year. Um, I haven't watched the show in a few years, so I don't know what's going on in it now. But, uh, you know, all the, the early years when I was watching it, that's how it seemed to work. Of course, the show really took a turn for me when they hit the fourth grade. I think when they when their voices changed and they started maturing at age nine, which didn't really make sense. And Cartman didn't sound as innocent. He sounded a little older. I don't know. It just it just wasn't the same. And um, I thought the storylines were kind of reaching a little bit more than the first couple seasons, which really seemed, um, I don't know, uh, like the kids were kind of innocent and naive. And by the time that they hit fourth grade, they already know all this stuff. Um, I don't know. It, it, it was just different after that. I think the the introduction of Miss Chokes on Dick as their teacher when Mr. Garrison went away to get his sex change or whatever he did, I can't remember now. That was pretty much the last season, I think, that I really watched with interest. So um, my knowledge of South Park is pretty minimal. I've seen a little bit here and there. I've seen he's still the teacher, so um, and th it's still the same class, basically. So obviously that 
that Mr. Feeney uh, feel has been brought to South Park. Now, the reason I have to mark this show explicit, there's probably some other songs in here too, but this one alone, Mr. Garrison singing Merry Fucking Christmas. I heard there is no Christmas in the silly Middle East. No trees, no snow, no Santa Claus. They have different religious beliefs. They believe in Muhammad and not in our holiday. And so every December I go to the Middle East and say, Hey there, Mr. Muslim, Merry fucking Christmas. Put down that book, the Koran, and here's some holiday wishes. In case you haven't noticed, it's Jesus's birthday. So get off your heathen Muslim ass and fucking celebrate. There is no holiday season in India, I've heard. They don't hang up their stockings, and that is just absurd. They never read a Christmas story. They don't know what Rudolph is about. And that is why in December I'll go to India and shout. Hey there, Mr. Hinduist. Merry fucking Christmas. Drink eggnog and eat some beef and pass it to the man. Well, that's South Park breaking all the racial and cultural barriers that we have in our society. God, you know, it's, it's, I, I could see people uh, being offended by this album. I'm sure there was some kind of backlash for this episode. And when the album came out, you know, it's a fucking cartoon, people. Um, but this is a fun song. You know, what really impresses me about this album, I mean, you have the creativity of, of the, the songs and the premise and all that. But, but what really gets me is the music. I mean, there is some top notch music. And as we heard in the South Park movie, uh, I mean, I think the majority of the music, if not all of it, is written by Trey. I'm not sure if Matt's involved in that process. But in any case, I mean, it's it's just the end result is really amazing. I was blown away by the music in the movie. Uh, there's some really cool stuff on this album. The performances are spectacular. You know, there's some really good performances on this album. And um, you'll you'll see those as the as the album goes along. But this is especially one that I thought was very creative because as they're talking about each culture, they bring in a little bit of that music. Um, more in parody than anything else, but that just makes it even more fun, to be honest. But yeah, some really, really good stuff. So now, um, and I remember how epic the video for this was in the episode. Here's our little buddy, Eric Cartman, singing Oh Holy Night. That was O Holy Night sung as only 
Eric Cartman could sing it. And I love that when he forgets the words and the backups are there correcting him, you know, doing their job properly. Uh, lots of fun. This is a really fun version. The video that went with it was just spectacular. So uh, again, just more reason to check out that episode. We're not done with Cartman on this album, though. He, uh, you know, he's one that's, that has to get more than just one song. You can't just cut him off like that. I mean, he's Eric Cartman. Um, but lots of fun. I really dig this tune. Uh, again, musically fantastic, really beautiful builds. Love the backing vocals, but uh, a lot of fun. And it's really, you know, musically, it's pretty, pretty simple, but it's uh, the vocal on this one and just Cartman being Cartman that really is the magic on this one. But great music, great backing vocals. Um, definitely one I enjoy. Here's, there's one, if, if there's one on the album I really don't like, and I pretty much just skip um, in fact, I'm going to have to listen to it because I, I don't really remember that much about it, but it's, it's just called Dead, Dead, Dead. Dead, 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 someday you'll be dead. Dead, 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 someday we'll all be dead. The minute we're born, we start dying. We die a little more every day. Young or old, rich or poor, there's nothing we can do to stop it. So look long at that Christmas tree, it may be the last one that you see. Decorate your house in green and red, cause someday you'll be dead. Dead, 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 someday you'll be dead. Dead, 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 someday we'll all be dead. It might happen in a couple months or 50 years from now But no matter when it happens, it will seem too soon to you Okay, so I listened to it again and uh, yeah, not not a fan. Um, I like taking something that I didn't like and giving it another chance at one point or another. But to be honest, yeah, this this one definitely just didn't do it for me. Um, I like the the premise of it. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense and it, it is kind of a, you know what, just enjoy things while you're here because at some point you're not going to be and you're not going to have a chance to do it. So do it now. Uh, I like that part of it. But the song itself, I, I mean, this, it first of all, it really doesn't fit the album. It's got nothing to do with the holidays as far as I can tell. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a song. So let's move on to one that I absolutely love. You have to love it when Mr. Mackey does anything, let alone singing. This is his version of one of my favorite Christmas songs, Carol of the Bells. Uh, hark, hear the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, ding dong, um, kai, Christmas is here, bringing good cheer, too young and old, wake and a boat, ding dong, ding dong, that is their song, ding, joyful ring, all caroling, one seems to hear words of good cheer from everywhere, filling the air, oh, how they pound, raising a sound, oh, here and deaf, telling their tale, gaily they ring, while people sing songs of good cheer, Christmas is here, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, Well, I mean, the song's less than a minute, and I usually play a minute clip, and uh, what the hell? Just played the whole song. It's Christmas. Who cares? 
Uh, this is a lot of fun. Um, I love the reverb on this. I think his voice sounds absolutely fantastic. Great layering. The video was so much fun. Um, definitely a, a, another one worth watching that episode for. Uh, Mr. Mackey's a great character, you know? Uh, I don't know what he's like nowadays, like I said, given my um, my distance from the show. But uh, I loved his character when uh, when I watched it as those first uh, seasons. He was fantastic. And uh, especially the one where he gets high and he loosens his tie. Um, that just gave it a whole different perspective. But lots of fun. Great, uh, great show. And uh, great song. So there you have it. Now we're going to go to Kyle. And he's going to sing a song called The Lonely Jew on Christmas. It's hard to be a Jew on Christmas. My friends won't let me join in any games. And I can't sing Christmas songs or decorate a Christmas tree or leave water. Take away the story of the song for a second and just thinking in terms of the music, this is a really beautiful piece of music. And it definitely has that, um, you know, real emotional side to it while just being very simple. I love music like this. Then you add Kyle and just the absurdity of how this all works. Um, you know, the fact that we're so divided because we worship different gods and, and all that is just still, to this day to me, absolutely insane. Uh, yeah, but that's the world for you. Uh, but Kyle delivers a very passionate part uh, it, for, or, you know, passionate vocal for his part. But uh, you get Neil Diamond, a Neil Diamond impersonator voice, I'm pretty sure is Trey. And he comes in and kind of, you know, puts his arm around Kyle and says, hey, buddy, it's going to be okay. And kind of empowers him a little bit to understand the good side of things. And um, yeah, I mean, the song ends on a happy note, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's It's a great song, great piece of music. Uh, once again, kudos to the the musical composition side of this album, because I think it's fantastic. And then again, on the performance side, um, because I would imagine doing a voice where you're not emulating something that that someone else created that you've heard sing and you could mimic. Like, that's the only way I can do voice impersonations is to mimic other people. Like my Tony Danza voice, I can only do the stuff, some of the stuff that Frank Caliendo did because I can mimic it, but it's not something I can just go rogue with, you know, uh, as, as we found out when uh, April Walterscheid came on the show and asked me to say her name is Tony Danza, and I completely flubbed it. Uh, I, I'm not good on the fly with voice impersonations. It's not what I do. I'll leave that to Jim Meskimen, um, my buddy who's been on the show out three times now. Uh, but in any case, yeah, great song, but I, I, but there has to be a challenge to adding a singing component now to these characters, which may have only done minimal or no singing throughout the show. 
So I would imagine that was a real challenge for, for this album, but I have to say they pulled it off very convincingly. Um, our next song, uh, another one that had a great video to it. This is Stan's sister, Shelly, singing I Saw Three Ships. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. And what was in those ships shall be on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And what- Shut up, George! Was in no ships all three on Christmas Day in the morning. The Virgin Mary and Christ were there on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. The Virgin Mary and... Shut up, Torch! Christ was there on Christmas Day in the morning. Then let us all rejoice among on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Then let... I told you to shut up! I shall rejoice in my on Christmas Day in the morning. Shelly is starting to get pissed on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Shelly got up and killed the church on Christmas Day in the morning! So what you're experiencing there is Shelly's anger, and what you're hearing is the crash of the piano as she smashes it over Stan and Kyle's heads. There's your visual. Um... Real fun song. If you've seen the character of Shelly, I, I think back to, uh, what was it, Cat Orgy? I think when she was babysitting Cartman, um, which was that it was a really weird episode because there were all these episodes that intertwined. And uh, for, there was that one, there was the um, Jubilee. And I think Two Men in a Hot Tub, was that the name of the other one? So the, those were the three uh, episodes that were all together. So it was pretty good. Um, Really cool stuff, I have to say. Uh, but great video. You know, Shelly has absolutely no relationship with Stan except for like three seconds of one episode. So that adversarial thing is, uh, I don't know why they would have been in the room with her would be the first thing for me. But uh, again, uh, this, this song's like a minute and two seconds. So I just went ahead and played the whole thing for you. Um, but a lot of fun. A great uh, trade-off, I think. You know, the, the interaction between the two, the give and take, I think is really a lot of fun. And just, you know, hearing Shelly try to sing, of course. Um, here's another one I don't think was on the show. I don't recall it being on the show anyway. It's called It Happened in Sun Valley. Howdy, folks, let's go for a ride. Get your favorite one to sit by your side. Cuddle up in the sleigh. Giddy up, Nellie Gray, and away we go. While you listen to the sleigh bells ring, you're yodeling to your baby. was on the episode I, I honestly don't remember i'm getting visuals of them ice skating for some reason so maybe it was but that's stan and wendy um our couple in waiting or couple in love or whatever the hell they are um lots of good stuff in this one especially the music this is that 
you know, really big band jazzy feel where I, I almost can picture the band. Like if you've ever seen an episode of I Love Lucy where they were, you know, on Ricky's show and you saw how the band was like tiered uh, in, in, you know, these seats, um, you know, three rows back and then just, you know, all the different sections. If you, if you picture that in a nightclub, um, I don't know if I'm making any sense right now, but anyway, I, I can picture that setting for the stage if this was a live show. But uh, yeah, great music. I really love that. Nice swing playing. Um, there's a really, in, in the beginning, there's another, it sounds like a, a violin that's playing really, really quickly, just just almost more vibrato than note, uh, that's very far in the background. I really like that because it's not in front, but it still just adds just that little touch that makes that song what it is for me. So another one, great job on the music. Uh, our next up is called O Tannenbaum. That's German. O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum, weil ein O Tannenbaum. Oh, Tannenbaum, weil dreh und schien dein Vater. Du grutsch nie, nur sonst aber sei, bei Nacken wieder, wenn es schneit. Oh, Tannenbaum, oh, Tannenbaum, weil dreh und schien dein I will not attest for the accuracy of that German. I have absolutely no idea. Um, my knowledge of German is incredibly minimal. And uh, I used to be able to count up to, I think it was 29. I don't think I ever learned what 30 was. But that was, uh, that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of probably dangerous phrases. But in any case, that is O Tannenbaum, which is German for O Christmas Tree, or maybe German for O Christmas Tree. And that leads into our next song called Christmas Time in Hell. And uh, at the end there, you hear Satan kind of, you know, coming in, checking on Hitler, finding out what's going on, because, you know, Satan's running hell, and where else would Hitler be? But uh, yeah, it's it's a nice, like, I really like the accordion on this. It has a very somber tone to it. Musically, I think it's great. Um, I can't remember if this was before or after the movie, because now that I'm thinking about it, there was a lot of songs in the movie and, and you know, some of the different characters sang. So I don't know if that was first or this was first. But in any case, they did have experience one before the other of, um, you know, these characters singing. And both projects came out absolutely fantastic. The music in the movie was unbelievable uh, or believable, but very good. I'll just say that. So here is the uh, connecting song, Christmas Time in Hell. Well, I tell you what, maybe we'll have ourselves a little Christmas right here. Come on, everyone, gather around. String up the lights and light up the tree. We're gonna make some revelry. Spirits are high, so I can tell it's Christmas time in hell. Demons are nicer as you pass them by. There's lots of demon toys to buy. The snow is falling and all is well. It's Christmas time in hell. There goes Jeffrey Dahmer with a festive Christmas ham. 
After he has sex with it, he'll read up all he can. And there goes John F. Kennedy, caroling with his son. Reunited for the holidays, God bless us everyone. Everybody has a happy glow, let's dance in blood and pretend it's snow. Even Mao Zedong is under the spell, it's Christmas time in hell. Adolf, here's a present for you. What? A Dunnenbaum! He has a Dunnenbaum. I'm pretty sure Trey does the voice of Satan. That that sounds like him. Um, a, another very festive song, great musically. Um, you know, piano really is uh, central for Christmas music. I have to say, a lot of Christmas songs are, are you know have piano as the lead instrument, even if it's just that little tinkly, plunky, you know, dit, 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 kind of uh, staccato playing. Um, very, very popular in Christmas music. And this really musically feels very Christmassy. He gets pretty crazy with talking about who's in hell. And um, yeah, I'll just leave that to the song. So (laughs) our next song coming up is uh, one that's sung by Isaac Hayes. Great take on Chef trying to get through a Christmas song. And of course, it doesn't really end up having to do with much of Christmas at all, because that's how Chef is. He's very focused He's, he's the David Coverdale of South Park, if you will. And it is called What the Hell Child Is This? Baby, you know there's a lot of love between us. Sometimes that love goes bad, but other times it's so right. Yeah, I know we've been through some rough waters, but most of the time our thing is off the hook. I just want to know one thing what child is this you've laid to rest at my feet this is not the time I know that I'm not responsible it's white so it cannot be mine no this peace is pride the feeling of relief I can now see. Oh, Chef. Oh, Chef. I love the musical setting for this. It really has that, I guess you would say, disco sound to it. You know, typically when you think of disco, you think a little bit more upbeat and danceable. But I guess really just that era. It really has captured that era. It really is the essence of an Isaac Hayes song from that era. So very well done musically. Um, the vocals are fantastic. The backing vocals sound really good with Isaac's voice. Um, definitely a cool one to listen to. Obviously, the premise of the song, again, you know, very, very not Christmassy, but um, it's a Christmas song. So why not put it on the album? Uh, real fun one, though, I have to say. <laughs> the next one is probably, well, it's one of my favorites. I'll just put it that way on this album. This is called... And this is Mr. Hankey in his own video singing Santa Claus is on his way. Santa Claus is on his way, he's loaded good, he's on his sleigh. Jump him up on Christmas Day and I'll say howdy ho. Mr. Hankey, shh, I'll get in trouble. Don't you gather around the fire, sing a song before the choir, pretty soon the world will be tired. I'll say howdy ho. Kyle, what are you doing in there? Nothing. Open that door. I will not even begin to explain what's going on here. 
I don't think I could do it justice. I'll just say this is a, a perfect opportunity to watch the episode because the uh, the whole part with Kyle's dad and him banging on the door and why he's just shocked at Kyle will not make sense without the video. What I will talk about is the music because I love the music to this. It's very carnival-like, um, but it also has no tempo. It is just literally all over the place. Um, it makes no sense whatsoever. But it's so much fun and it fits the vocals and, and the video so well. Um, I have to say, musically, this is probably my favorite on the album just because it's so crazy well done. And it could only be followed up by a return of Eric Cartman singing a song about a product we all see every year in the mall. I guess this year, probably more at Target and Walmart, places like that, maybe your uh, Kroger store. Wherever you go shopping, this is called Swiss Colony Beef Log. Stockings are hung on the chimney And the presents are under the tree And mama's in the kitchen Making some herbal tea Windows are covered with frost And the candles are all alight But as I wander through this quiet house Something just doesn't seem right You see, every year The neighbors bring us a Swiss colony beef leg But the neighbors aren't around, around, around There's no beef leg to be found this year. Well, you have to love those Beverly Hills 90210 guitars, uh, that wonderful electric piano. Uh, you know, I love the mood of this song, first of all. This, this, it, it has a warmth to it while being cool at the same time, which I really dig. That's a hard thing to create, but I, I love the the vibe of it. Um, that's a word, by the way, people are using, I guess. So I may throw it in here now and then. I learned that on the Threes Company 2 podcast. It's a vibe. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's me trying to be young at my old age. But this is a fun song. It's, it's basically about Cartman uh, didn't get a, be- a Swiss Colony beef log this year, which apparently is part of his Christmas, very important to him. And, uh, you know, boo-hoo. So it's just him sulking for the most part. But not to worry, folks. Grandma saves the day and he gets all excited. And then it turns into like a rock and roll song. And uh, you just kind of feel Cartman headbanging behind the mic. It's a really weird visual, but it happens. So a uh, really cool concept, though. I, I dig it because it's one of those things that, yeah, you see these, these you know, autonomous stands in the mall every year where they have different uh, combinations of meats and cheeses. And um, sometimes they have like nuts and, and candy covered nuts in, uh, you know, different um, sections of a tray or whatever. They're, they're basically, you feel like they just held on to the merchandise and next year, brought out the stuff that they didn't sell the year before because this stuff has a shelf life of like 7,000 years. It's so cured with salt and, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, they can be tasty, though. I, I'm not a big fan of them. Um, I like a little bit of beef jerky now and then, but 
for the most part, um, not my thing. I would probably go more for, you know, like the, the nuts and I can't have the candy coated nuts anymore. But I would probably go for like a mixed nut variety than I would the, um, you know, meats and cheeses and whatever. Um, there's always like, there's just such a weird taste to the cheese. Like it's been sitting out and I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not a fan. But uh, they are very popular. Otherwise, these stands would not reopen every year, even if they're a write-off for some company or they're just still trying to give away these things that they made 10 years ago. I don't know. But it made for a great song story and it made for a great musical uh, bed. I I love the music to it. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Especially the bells. Like those really add that Christmassy feel that, you know, any tubular bells, or even, uh, you know, like smaller jingle bells or, uh, you know, sleigh bells or something like that really make a difference in a song. Uh, as we heard in, on um, It Happened in Sun Valley, that um, the sleigh bells that were playing at the beginning of that, just right away you're in Christmas mode. It's, it's hard not to be. Those sounds just put you right there. Um, so now that we've let Cartman have uh, a moment in the sunlight, he, he's not done. He, he can't be because we're going to get a group version of the kids uh, doing a school presentation singing, what is it? Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or in this case, the South Park characters. I mean, he's just got to get in there. You know, he's got to let people know he's part of the group, but he is the group, right? Um, There's always that one kid too, no matter what. There's always one kid that has to make a face in the class photo or has to try and sing louder than everybody else just so that everybody knows that they're there or they stand out on the recording or whatever. Always one kid. And in in South Park, it's always going to be Cartman. No one's going to show him up. But a, a cool song, like I've always loved that song. Uh, the real song is a Christmas song, but this is a fun take on it um, as, as the kids were, were doing their play. Um, really, really good version of that. But we're going to move on to another one of my favorites. This is called Dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel. Okay, I, you're my little brother, so I have to show you how to celebrate Hanukkah. This is called a dreidel. You spin it and see where it lands, and you sing this song. I have a little dreidel, I made it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, with dreidel I shall play. Oh, dreidel, 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 I made you out of clay. Dreidel, 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 with dreidel I shall play. Now you try it, Ike. Just spin it with your fingers like this. Little dreidel, dreidel, I made you out of clay. Play stupid game. Dreidel, 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 with dreidel I 
shall play. That's rather lame. What's going on? Oh, it's that Hanukkah thing. It's so amazing. So if you can't tell where this is headed, what we're doing is a multi-level row, row, row your boat kind of song. Um, the interesting thing about the way that people are supposed to sing row, row, row your boat is the first group or person starts. The next person comes in in the middle of them singing and they start their song and you sing your version of the song, but you're doing it at a different time from everybody else. This is a little bit different. They're all singing completely different things at the same time. So it's almost like I'm going to write, you know, verses for five different people based on the same piece of music and you're all going to sing on top of each other. But we just start with Kyle. We had Ike who really doesn't add anything to the overall song because he's, you know, it's just pretty much baby gibberish. Then you get Cartman, then you get Stan and it just goes on and on and on until the whole family comes in. It's really, really impressive. The musical build and dynamic of this piece of music. Um, I, I cannot say enough good things about it. It's, absolutely stunning how you can build that and maintain it and just keep adding layers and another layer and another layer. It does get a bit muddy towards the end because there's so many voices doing so many different things. Unless you're following a particular line, like you're following Cartman or you're following Miss Broflowski or, or um, really follow Mr. Broflowski because he's probably got the most interesting one, but they'll highlight that for you in case you miss it. But it's such a cool musical idea and so well executed on this album that this song is definitely a massive highlight for me. Um, sometimes I'll just put this one on and really try and pick apart how this works. Because in one way, as long as everybody's in the same key, it should work magically, right? They can all be singing different notes, but sometimes, you know, two notes just because they're in the same key don't work together. And you've got all these different voices, all these different pitches. It's, it's just absolutely brilliant how this came out so well. And part of that may have been an accident. You know, you pick five characters. You don't know how well their voices are going to work or not work, but it works for the story. And you just go with it because it's not a musical show. It's a, it's a comedy. And they're adding music to it for this episode. So the music, whether it works or not, is secondary. The point is the story and continuing the story and making it interesting. So um, a little less important, but at the end of the day, it all works for me. Uh, there's not one note. I'm like, wait a minute, that didn't sound right. Everything just is absolute magic on the song. Um, as we're winding down to the last three songs, the next two, I'll say again, I don't believe either of these were in the episode. This one is called The Most Offensive Christmas Song. And oddly, I would not have to mark the episode explicit because of it. And why? We'll find out right after these messages. I'm just kidding. There's no advertiser. Here's the song. Oh, no, 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 no,
Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, maybe I would have to mark it explicit because I think you can make out enough of what Kenny's saying. Uh, Mr. Hanky is far too pure to say it, but he's happy to set up Kenny to say it, right? So uh, I think I probably would would I would just feel safer marking it as explicit anyway. But this isn't one of my favorite songs. Um, you know, I get it. It's it's a neat idea, and, and honestly, it's well executed. You know, it's very simple musically and. It's really about the the you know back and forth between Mr. Hanky and Kenny and what they're saying in the song, uh, but it's just not one of my favorite songs, so it's one that I don't really listen to a whole lot. Um, but let's move on to the next one. This one's called "We Three Kings." Building gift we travel so far, freedom found them more and mountain following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star of lawyer, beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect. Yeah, it's really weird. I'll grant you that. <laughs> it's just a bizarre song. Uh, again, I don't know the the authenticity of the language, whether any of that's right or not. It's it it could be very just stereotypical gibberish. I have no idea. Uh, it sounds, you know, the way that they're doing the accent sounds right to me for as little as I know about that accent. But uh, in general, it's it's a cool piece of music, really dark, you know, as, as we're about to end the album. I think that should have been earlier. If you're going to do dark and then you got to come back from that before the end of the album, you know, like maybe you put that somewhere around, you know, Christmas time in hell or, you know, between what the hell child is this and Santa Claus is on its way. Something where you're going to get a, a pick-me-up after that. So I find this an odd place to be on the album. And I don't I don't remember this being in the episode. But again, it, it absolutely could have been. I haven't listened, watched that episode in, in, in a while. Probably since last year, to be honest. Because I, I have not had time to even watch a lot of the uh, Christmas stuff I normally do. I did get to do my Dead Like Me run-through in October, though. I always do that before Halloween. Um, one of my favorite shows. I love the fall environment of that. My friend Ellen Muth playing Georgia Lass on that show did such an amazing job uh, for two seasons and a movie, which was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I love that show. Um, but talking about Christmas music before we play the last song, there are some good songs on here, but there's also some really amazing versions of these. One of my favorite Christmas albums to listen to is the one that Blackmore's Night did and then redid and then redid. I think it's been issued like three times now with different song configurations. Um, the one that came out, was it last year or the year before? I'm not even sure, um, was the biggest of all of them. So that had the most, uh, the most parts of it. But um, in any case, uh, really good Christmas music to listen to. It has a little bit more of a Renaissance vibe. But one of the songs that they do um, that's on this one that that kind of led me to um, remember to talk about it was uh, O Tannenbaum. They do um, a beautiful version of O Christmas Tree. Um, but I Saw Three Ships. They do an amazing version of that. It's very much a party song. And um, you get the accordion, you get just the stomping, like you really feel like you're at a Renaissance Christmas festival. So much fun. 
Uh, so go check out Black Blackmore's Night's Winter Carols is the name of that album. And again, check out Scott Haskin Mental Sauna Three Christmas Inflections because that's the album that you want to be playing at your party. Go buy it now for five dollars on Bandcamp. Anyway, our final song is sung by our host, Mr. Hanky, uh, but it features the cast of the show. And I'm not going to play the whole song, but they they all come in. The ending is very beautifully done. This is one of my favorite Christmas songs, but it's also the hardest for me to listen to. We'll get to that after these messages. Wait, still no advertiser, but here's the song. Well, I guess that's about the end of my Christmas album. Gosh, it was so nice hanging out with y'all again. And I guess if there's just one thing I have left to say, it would be this. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. May your heart be I love that cymbal swell into everyone singing together and then the music kind of dropping out and letting the vocals uh, be uh, in the front. They could have gone heavy with the music there, and I'm really glad they didn't because the vocals are really the most important. The music needs to just set the environment and let it be that and let the vocals take over, especially if you're singing with a cast, um, because it's just so much more powerful that way. What makes this song difficult for me, and I might have talked about this last year when I covered Bing Crosby, because I think I played his version of this song too. It's really difficult because it it just makes you kind of take stock of everything, right? Like you think about who are your who are you hanging out with when you were in the fourth grade or the third grade? And you know, how many of those people are still in your life now? And and you have those that imagination that these are the people that are going to be in your life your whole life. And they're probably not. But movies romanticize that, um, you know, these are, we're, we're all buds for life. And we're, you know, when we're 60, we're going to do a retreat to Vegas and open that bottle of wine that we, we said that we would never open except for a big special occasion. And, you know, it's because one of our friends is going to do something stupid, <laughs> you know, classic holiday movie type scenario, right? But it really does that, that line through the years, we all will be together. That one gets me every time. For one, it's because it's sung with such conviction that this is the way it's going to be. Like we're, you know, we're what, fourth grade. So you're talking like nine years old, probably or somewhere like eight to 10 in that range, depending on how old you were when you started what grade. And like, you're probably not even going to know each other in junior high unless you have classes together or that first year you'll hang out together and it'll just dissipate because you'll meet other people And, you know, you'll have classes with other people, you need to study, whatever the thing is, you're all going to go in different directions based on those social activities alone. Maybe you'll still meet up every once in a while, maybe you'll do an annual party for a couple of years, 
but it's it's all changing you know as you as you delve out of elementary school into junior high or however your school system works but there's going to be a separation at some point um except for the Jewish school that I did a couple of audio engineering gigs at here in Vegas where they're basically like it's one school the whole time and I don't know how they break up the classes but it's literally like you don't go to other buildings it's not junior high and and you know you're not seniors or juniors or sophomore it's like you're just there in that school until it's time to graduate it's a really interesting dynamic and I have to wonder if some of those relationships don't develop more like what this song promises because they aren't necessarily meeting other people because they they all grow up together. So I don't know. I mean, maybe there is an element of that, but I think that would be an interesting social experiment. But yeah, that line, man, it, it gets me every time because I think of all the different people that I've known and all the different groups and all the, you know, forever friends kind of things. And there's very few of those people that I even mildly keep in touch with. You know, my friends that I've known, I'm going to say, what am I, 51 now? So probably like 30 to 32 years ago, the people that I met in that range, like around my, you know, last year of high school, maybe first year out of school, in that range, and and it's mostly musicians, you know, my friends that I was either, you know, working within the band or doing, you know, audio engineering or lighting or whatever for them, maybe helping them with some recordings, whatever it was like, those are the people that I think I have probably the most solid friendships with. But those are also the relationships that you build that build differently from other people. And I think most of the people that work in entertainment, whether you work on a play, whether you work on films together um, you become these weird little families, even if you're not, when they say in the band, it's not just the musicians, the audio engineer, if you're, you know, one that's with them for gig after gig, you're part of that family. You know, sometimes I would, I would, you know, fill in on a, a song on drums or, you know, play a little bit of keyboard or whatever, um, mostly hand claps and stuff like that, just because the song needed it. But those are are very different kinds of relationships. And I, I treasure those very much. And uh, hopefully, you know, those those people that I keep in touch with from those days, um, we've maintained really good relationships over the years. And, and I'm very, very grateful for them uh, as people and the relationships. You know, it's it's been amazing to see those cultivate and how we've all turned into adults and done things besides just having really long hair and playing really aggressive music. <laughs> That's what we did in the old days. Um, it's, it's been pretty amazing. And my favorite part of it though, I have to say, and I, I just have to gloat. I, I don't know. It's really gloating, but I was the first one back in those days when I was probably 21, I think, or just about to turn 21. I joined a country band because it looked like it was something where the money would be really lucrative. And I was, like I said, I was about 21, 20 or 21. And I was the youngest one in the band. The second youngest was our guitar player, who I think was 35. I think Peggy, who was our another like a rhythm guitar player and a singer, I think she was in her early 50s or about to turn 50. Uh, Rich, our bass player, I think was 51 or 52. And then our uh, steel guitar player, I think was somewhere in that range too. And so, you know, you've got like three decades between band members. 
That's pretty amazing. And here's the thing. There was one gig, one gig where I got paid and I had to learn 60 songs to play with that band. And we did one rehearsal and had a gig. So there was a lot of me listening to uh, a lot of country music on tape uh, in the car. And then the bass player kind of just guiding me through each song to make sure I know, you know, knew when to stop. The, the good thing is most of it was older country, like 50s and 60s, Merle Haggard, that kind of thing. So it's very easy as a drummer. But man, do you learn to be a metronome when you're playing that stuff? Because it's not flashy, it's not interesting as a drummer, but you have to be on. You are the metronome for everyone in that band. So it was a real interesting experience. My meter was never better than it was when I was playing country music. And of course, you take that to other things, going back to rock and roll or, or uh, you know, fusion or something like that. Because I, I think when I started doing that was right around the time I started playing in a jazz fusion band. And um, that was a lot of fun. I mean, just like one extreme to the other, a, a job where I'm basically just a click track and then a job where I'm very, very active and creative and, and kind of all over the drum set. So uh, a lot of fun. But anyway, none of that has anything to do with what I'm talking about. I'm talking about cultivating those relationships. So it's interesting. I mean, think back to all the, the people that you knew when you were like, you know, eight, nine years old. Look at some old school photos if you need to refresh your memory. And uh, think about, you know, even family, you know, who was in your family who, you know, has has moved across the country or you know, gone on to other things and they don't come home for the holidays anymore like the Christmas movies tell us they will. It's just life evolves and changes. So that line through the years, we all will be together every single time that hits me because there's so many people that I feel bad I didn't keep in touch with that we didn't have a bond that would withstand that. Not that most people do because it's very rare, but I've treasured just about everyone I've ever met. All of those people had an impact on me in one way or another, whether I really liked them, whether I disliked them, whether it was something about their behavior and action they took, the way they talked to somebody, everybody that you meet has an influence over you one way or another. And, you know, even the the play that I worked on here, um, you know, it, it's weird. You see these people every day for three weeks, you, you do the rehearsals and all the stuff leading up to it. And then you know, there's this this huge camaraderie after every show or even the support before you open where everybody's just, you know, gets together, hugs. We're going to have a good show. Everybody hugs and pats each other on the back. Like it's a whole thing. And then it's just gone. And there's no videotape of it because for some reason people don't videotape plays. I don't know why that is, but it is. So literally all you have is maybe some photographs that were used for publicity, maybe a shot of the whole cast together, and then nothing. It's just gone. It's just memory after that point. And you keep in touch for a while, but everybody moves on to different projects. Now they've got those people that they're working with, and sometimes it's the same people, sometimes it's not. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's human interaction is such a weird thing. And uh, now it's even stranger because people don't even know each other anymore. You know, you connect on a social media, but you don't really know people that you don't already know. It's very rare, I think, these days that people do more than connect and have a, at best, an introductory conversation, if they even have that. A lot of times it's friend request, except, hey, it's nice to meet you. And then tumbleweed goes by. There's not even a response from the person that requested your friendship. 
So I treasure those things very, very much. And people that I've met recently, especially like, you know, with like my my podcast partner, Corey, and the guys in the Deep Purple Podcast Network and or the, the Deep Dive Podcast Network, and then especially Nate and John and that family in the Deep Purple Podcast specifically. Um, we've got a, a group text between a, a few of us that uh, we we, you know, share jokes and stuff. But those are the things I treasure. And I will leave you with that message for the holidays is to cultivate those relationships because they're not just about, oh, hey, Facebook told me it's your birthday. So I wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Like get to know people if you can, um, you know, see, see what, because everybody's got some kind of thing that's valuable. It's a matter of finding it and a matter of, you know, what, what could you learn or how much fun could you have if there's people that you're connected with that you could get to know. So that would be my um, my thing. And then for the holidays, and then my New Year's resolution is to meet as few people as possible. So it all, uh, it all comes together and uh, that's how it goes. But I'm going to, I think I'm going to end this episode by playing one of my favorite songs in its entirety from the Mental Sauna 3 Christmas Inflections album. And again, uh, check out the episode on Christmas where I dissect the songs and go into you know, how I put it together or what inspired me to put this one on the album. Mostly I was choosing from public domain songs because I didn't want to deal with uh, all of that. Um, there's There were plenty of them enough to do the album. Also, there is a free version in the style of the album of Old Lang Syne that you can get on the Bandcamp page. You can just download it for free. And that uh, was written after the album was completed. I heard the song. I thought, you know, this would this would fit well into the mental sauna thing, but it would have to be last on the album. And I think the song that I have last, Silent Night with Eva Bukovinsky, Eva Bukovinsky on Duduk, I think really ended the album perfectly. So I, I wouldn't want to mess with that. And then to put it anywhere earlier on the album would be kind of weird. So um, sometimes things are just better left alone, but I thought it'd be fun to release the song. So it's there on Bandcamp for free till the end of the year. Go and grab it. I will have the link to the Bandcamp in the show notes because why wouldn't I give you that? That's just silly. So I hope you all, uh, whatever you celebrate, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, whatever else things that we've made up in this confusing gender identity, let's just have more reasons to be distant from each other and, and you know, claim you're being disrespected world that we live in, whatever you're celebrating, fuck it. Enjoy it. Enjoy time with people that you care about, that care about you and cultivate those relationships, guys. Merry holiday, Chris Kwanzaa, whatever you want to say, I will say Merry Christmas. Cheers. Cheers. 